Thank you for supporting the Circe Podcast Network by listening, sharing, and giving feedback to our shows. As you may know, the Circe Institute is in the midst of our year-end fundraising campaign. Your support last year enabled us to add several key members to the Circe team. With your continued help, we are excited about what the future holds. In particular, donor support helps us provide free resources like these podcasts and the former journal. Please visit circeinstitute.org backslash donate to see more about all you make possible and to support us this year. Welcome to Overdue Classics, the podcast for all the books you've been meaning to read. I'm Brandon LeBlanc, and I'm joined again by Matthew Bianco and Andrea Lipinski. How are y'all doing today? Great. We had a Christmas party today. That's right. Right. Some of us virtually. It's very, this is, these, I have to get used to this. I mean, what is this, our fourth episode now? Mm-hmm. And every time, every time you start the introduction, it just sounds like you're giving up on your name halfway through it. Me, <laughs> you're just like, and I'm Brandon Lebelon. <laughs> it doesn't finish. There's no end to it. Yeah. I need, it's like music. I need a result. It probably doesn't record there. well either. Say it with, it's like, say it with some emphasis. Lee Blank. So the coaches I had growing up, depending on what part of Texas I was in at the time. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. This is my curse. Yes, we had our Christmas party today. That was that was lots of fun. And now we get to talk about something very anti-Christmas <laughs> with Oedipus. Coincidentally, this play was mentioned in our Christmas reading this morning. Mm-hmm. That's right. It was. Which is kind of, which is kind of fun. Yeah. That was a big surprise. So for those who don't know, we at Cersei, we have, well, we do this kind of monthly or every few weeks, but also on Christmas, at our Christmas party that morning, we spend a couple hours reading out loud together. But for Christmas, we usually do something Christmas themed. So the last couple of years, we've been doing passages from Joshua Gibbs' book, The 25th. So some folks pick their favorite essays, but one of the essays made reference to this play, Sophocles' yep. uh, Oedipus the King. Yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. We're going to talk about that later today. Right, good timing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is our first episode. Uh, uh, on Sophocles, we'll do Oedipus the King, Tyrannus, uh, and then next week we'll do Oedipus at uh, Colonus. And then we'll have a week off because of Christmas and come back and do Antigone. So thanks for joining us. Um, Andrea, do you want to give us a summary, uh, the kind of the quick and dirty sure. on, on Oedipus Rex here? Yeah, but I, I need to preface it. So this is a story that I'm familiar with, uh, yet the way in which he tells the tale is engaging like the lines the way he broke up the the dialogues and the way things became uncovered so i'm going to give you a summary and it's not going to be anything all that new but i would tell you you've got to read this one so i'll give you the summary um it opens with a prologue where the city is dying and it's determined that the killer of the previous king is to be punished and then um, apollo athena and artemis are called upon for help and in the first scene, it's the, the current king, uh, Oedipus, says that he will curse the previous king's murderer. He first accuses his brother-in-law of setting him out as the one, setting him up as the one who did this. And then Tiresias, a messenger, says, no, nah, um, he tells the truth that he's the he's the one and he doesn't believe him. And so then in the first ode... It speaks about how there's different kinds of wisdom. Then in scene two, he accuses Creon, that brother-in-law, 
the two of them are arguing. So it's it's his wife's brother. And so then Jocasta, the wife, comes in and she breaks up the argument. And she says she can prove that he is not the one because of the prophecy that was spoken over her first husband. And there's no way that that son killed her, this man, her first husband, because we had that son killed. And so then Ode 2 uh, talks about uh, hubris begatting a tyrant. So, so the word tyrant shows up in the play. And then in the second and the third scene, uh, Jocasta seeks out Apollo for help um, because Odysseus won't listen to her. Odysseus, the O. Oedipus won't listen to her. And the messenger then tells, uh, comes in and tells all that I, Polybus, is that how you would say it? Polybus, Polybus, um, has died. That's the father that raised Odysseus. Bam, I did it again. Oedipus. <laughs> I just use an O in my notes. And then uh, the third ode comes about and asks, uh, who were his parents? We're trying to figure out then, right? Who are his parents? So in our next scene, um, we recognize that Laius and Jocosta are his parents. It's proven. And at the very end, it's the exodus. Uh, Jocasta kills herself. Um, Oedipus blinds himself. Creon says we can forget the past, which I found was interesting. And then um, Oedipus speaks over his daughters. And yet at the very end, while he said he's going to just leave, he wants to be cast out. He's asked Creon to cast him out. Creon has promised that whatever the gods say, he'll do. And Oedipus struggles to release his daughters. Nice. So we probably need to address a couple things. I think, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I this is my first term reading the play. Is that true for you too, Andrea? It is. is okay. Yeah, I just know the tale. Right? Yeah, I was about to say, I think this of the three plays is probably the one people are most familiar with, even if they haven't read it, right? There's, it's mm -hmm. in our lexicon, you know, Oedipus Complex, all those kind of things, right? It's it's in there. Um, um, but it, like you said, it's it's laid out maybe more, in a more interesting way than, than the way you know it if you haven't read the play. Mm -hmm. um, also... We discovered since I'm using a different a different uh, translation, different copy than than Matt and Andrea, that some of these things are even mentioned or kind of structured a little differently or the way it's translated. Um, mine doesn't use the word odes. I have these strophe and antistrophe. I'm sure I'm not even saying that right. Kind of breaking it up throughout the play, um, and so in my structure, like it's not as clear where the where the which might call acts or uh, um, scenes are. Mm. Um, so for if you're using, if you're at home and you're using one or the other, just know that we we're kind of using two also. So we'll do our best to kind of um, help find things. Although there are line numbers, I have line numbers. They don't have line numbers, things like that. So um, yeah. Also, you said something interesting. I looked real quickly the way you said hubris, the word hubris is used. Mine uses the word pride. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah choices on those translations so they book does yours use tyrant um i don't i don't think so i think it just uses king over and over again mm, okay yeah mine so, yeah. says Hubris will be at a tyrant as its child yeah and mine mine is mine is titled oedipus the king at the, oh, at okay. the top of the play mine is oedipus tyrannus yeah so there you go and then uh, um 
Matt, you mentioned we would need to talk a little bit about uh, or, or pay attention to the chorus. You want to kind of give the audience an idea of what you were talking about, the, the kind of the importance of the chorus when it comes to the Greek plays and... Well, the the chorus usually, I mean, the chorus plays some role. They're, it's representative of somebody, of some group or something. So, and it's not always the same um, from one play to the next or even one play or a playwright to the next. So you're kind of wanting to att attend to like, the, the chorus is going to say stuff that's wise or important to the play. And you want to know who it is that's saying, you know, you want to know who's saying that, that so that you know what you're getting, like, because sometimes the chorus could be, you know, the, the handmaidens of some queen. And that's just these handmaids, you know, not just these handmaids, like, it's handmaids can't be important. But, you know, it's, it's these handmaidens, you know responding to the queen somehow or it could be it could be representative of the whole city the whole city is responding to what just happened um or it could be the leaders of the city or something like that you know so so when you're when you're reading the play you want to just pay attention to that like who are they representing because who they're representing might indicate how seriously to take their judgment of the situation, right? Like in this one, there's times in here where there the the chorus is very clearly emotionally responding to the event, not not necessarily with any sort of wisdom or right. mm -hmm. prophetic insight, but just yeah. no. But we love him. We don't want this to be true, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, it was interesting to me that it noting. it seems to start in the beginning. The chorus just seems to be. Um, the first couple of times that, that they're they're speaking or singing, I guess, they are they almost seem to be addressing the the, the audience more they're or they're just speaking out to no one in particular about the situation. But as it goes on, they start to they start to speak and respond to to one or more of the characters, which I thought was an interesting transition that happens uh, in this play. I don't know how common that is, but caught my eye so andrea you said the form you thought was interesting and 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 worth reading what about that um oh what about that you, did you think was yeah the way things were uncovered um let's see like i can go to the end i know that was an excellent example uh but it's at the end so i don't know if people want to hear that just yet but um but the the i mean i think maybe to set up what you're what you're getting at mm -hmm. is that the when we think of the oedipus story we think of oh that's the guy that killed his father slept with his mother had to had children with her and then um blinded himself or what you know if we depending on how much detail of it we know or remember right right but the play is not actually about that the play is not like here's how that happened you know, mm -hmm. it's the, the plays about how he discovers, how he learns that all that happened. Right. And that, um, and, and so the, the, what's interesting is that the plays like not, it's not about, it's, uh, I don't, it's not only about, or merely about here's this, these 
crimes against nature that this man committed. Right. It's more about what, how, how it's more about how blind we can be to the way we interact with the world around us and nature and other people. And then re and then reveal that, but what provokes what causes that to happen to him is the fact that he did all, you know, he committed these crimes against nature initially. And now there's this, this, you know, natural law enforcing itself as it were in this case, but it's Apollo, right? Apollo is striking the city with, or the city is being struck with a plague and Apollo is telling them how to get out of it. It's been struck with a plague because of, you know, they're harboring this man who committed these crimes against against it but all of that is really the setup for here's here's what it looks like when a person has to when a person who has been blind to his own crimes against humanity now has to face the facts that he's committed crimes against not humanity but nature right does that make sense yeah in a way and i i appreciate that you know in the beginning he's he repeats that he he just wants the truth he just wants the truth um and so while these are crimes against nature, I struggled because he didn't know. He didn't know what he was doing, the, the man he was killing, the woman he was marrying. Killing a man is against nature. Absolutely. Like you can stop right there. Um, and what that leads to. Mm. Um, and I, I just go back to, and are we allowed to do this, to talk about another book? I go back to um, Plato. Where he says, what if you don't know, if, you, if you're searching out to, to murder a man and you come upon the man, but you don't recognize him and so then you don't murder him, right? Like here we've got somebody who's setting out to not murder a man and he doesn't recognize who that man is and he murders him. We've got like the opposite. Am I the only one who sees it like that? No, I, what I, uh, yeah, no. it's interesting that they both get the prophecy, right? Like his mother and father get the prophecy first. Mm -hmm. And then he gets the same prophecy and they both try to avoid it, like take action to make it impossible or to avoid mm -hmm. it. But her, once she takes the action, they take, um, is it Acosta? Uh, is that how you say her name? Jocasta. Oh, it's oh, they use the IO spelling. In that's the anglicized. Jocasta, got it. The anglicized pronunciation of Jocasta. Um, she, she assumes that once they've, that they've thwarted it, that, prophecy's dumb right like yeah how how much could they possibly know because it's a new prophet telling him that he's the like he's responsible it's this new seer right or this others it's a seer now and, and not new i guess but at the moment um but he continues to be afraid of the of fulfilling the prophecy even though he's taken steps to to not do it like he's left corinth he's uh trying to never see his parents who he believes his parents to be again uh, in order to avoid it and continues to be afraid of prophecy being becoming true. Um, mm -hmm. I, so I think that's just ridiculous though. I just don't think that's the case. Like I get, I mean, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying, that estimation of it. Right. But I think that the, the point, the, the point that the play seems to be trying to make, like I read it, I read it, I, you know, just the way you guys have just described, right. Like, well, this is a play. It, it seems to be a play about how you kind of just can't avoid prophecy, right? Prophecy is going to happen 
like prophecy happens and then no matter what you do to try to avoid it, you try to kill your kid, you, you flee your hometown and get away from, as far away from your mother and father as possible, depending on, you know, which person you are involved in this, the prophecy. You do all these things to avoid prophecy, but haha, prophecy, prophecy is prophecy and it's going to do what it does and you, you're going to succumb to it. But the, the, the other way to read it or another way to read it is this is this is a story about a guy who's so headstrong who's so certain that he knows what he knows mm. that he's like like his his thought is oh the prophecy says i'm gonna kill my father so i'm gonna go i'm gonna leave i know know who my father is so every other man is fair game mm-hmm. and then i'm just gonna go kill the first guy that bugs me on the side of the road which is what he does. Group of Rather guys. Rather than th- thinking, huh? Group of guys. What's he killed up? more than one along the side of that road that day. Oh, yeah. Group of guys. Right. He killed a whole group of guys. Rather than thinking, I might kill my father. If I kill somebody, he might be my father. No, he doesn't think that. He <laughs> thinks very arrogantly, I know who my father is, so I can kill everybody else. And then he ends up killing his father. And then I know who my mother is, so I can marry any woman, even this woman who's 20 years older than me. Hint, hint. And I'm not going to fulfill the prophecy. And then the woman is like, yeah. well, I know who my son was. This ain't him. So I'm just going to marry this guy that's 20 years younger than me. And I'm gonna, and it's going to be okay. And they all know the prophecy. And they're all, they're all like willingly entering into things that are capable of fulfilling the prophecy because they think they know. Right. And, there's, and if, if, if the, if the whole pattern fulfills itself, even with Creon. The thing with Creon fascinates me because Creon, he makes this accusation against Creon, right? Which one? Uh, Ty- Tiresias, Tiresias comes along, tells him after being forced to, tells him, you are the man, yeah. ecce homo, right? You are the man. And then, and then he's so certain that he's not. He responds, nope, this must be a setup. Let's see. Who told me that it was going to be, who told me about this whole thing? Oh, Creon did. Yeah. But Tiresias must be in cahoots with Creon. And this is all a conspiracy to drive me out of power, right? To replace me um, Mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the system, right? As the, the new King. And he has all of these like, very logical proofs in his mind that, that this is what's actually happening, Creon, right? With Creon. And then Creon says, Creon responds, and it's so common sense. It's so common sense that like Oedipus has to be clearly refusing to see obvious evidence in order to convince himself that Creon is guilty and is willingly doing that. He says, I'm trying to find the passages now, but but he basically says, you're doing all this and Creon's like, well, I, what? I already have all the power that I want and none of the headache. Why would I, why would I want to change that? Yeah. And then he's, and then somebody else points out Creon has never lied to you. Why would he suddenly be lying to you? Right? Like there's all this, a lifetime of evidence that Creon is not that type of person. And yet Oedipus convinces himself that he is because he knows. Well, and he's also he given it. the upper, like, it's not like he didn't have any inkling that those might not have been his real parents in Corinth either. Right. Cause someone says it 
at that party. And he just decides when he asks his parents, like, no, 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 you're our, you're our kid. And he just decides that that's definitely the truth. Like, he's, he even has more evidence than you're talking about that, that, that he needs to be more careful than he's being right. See, I don't remember that passage. What do you, what, where, he, when, where does uh, he, he already. Yeah. He's recounting being, when he's still living in Corinth, uh, uh Oedipus is that, um, so Matt, you were on pages 85 to 89. I have yeah. that marked. Yeah. How about you, Brandon? Uh, after he talks to Creon. I think it might be when he's talking to Jacosta. Yeah. So he's talking to Jacosta, and it's like after she's telling him, that's ridiculous. We had this other prophecy, and it didn't come true because we just killed the kid. And so it's shortly after that, her longer, she has like a longer argument that she makes, it's, you know, as far as lines go. And then they're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then his next long, his next long section, it says, and you shall know it since my fears have grown so great for who is more to me than you. Uh, that I should speak to him in such a moment. My father then was Polybus of Corinth, my mother Merope. My station there was high as any man's until a thing befell me that was strange indeed, though not deserving of thought, the thought I gave to it. A man said at a banquet, he was full of wine, that I was not my father's son. It angered me, but I restrained myself that day. And then he goes on to say that he asked his parents and they said they have shortened that he was their son. But I mean, he was even given like yeah. the possibility yeah. that like he should have had a seed in his head, right? When he heard the prophecy that, okay, I can get away from Polybus, but it's possible he's not actually my dad. Because that one guy did say that thing that one time when he was drunk, which was when right. he might have, been, might have been speaking the truth when he wasn't holding his tongue, right? You know, maybe I should be more careful. So to your point, not only should yeah. I like be careful around guys <sighs> who are old enough to be my dad, but maybe just like don't kill anybody. Wow. <laughs> And what strikes me is that in neither case does oh. the does or doesn't seem like either set of people thinks to ask the the oracle like how can I avoid this horrible fate? It's a horrible horrible thing, right? Like I'm going to damn yeah. myself in front of the gods and man. And is there any way to avoid this? They come upon it later. It'd been better if I had been not born, or if my feet had never been unfettered, or if I had actually died that day. But right. And the whole, oh, I'm, I'm just looking for the truth. No, you're not. You've never been looking for the truth. You've been avoiding it your whole life. And, but we all think that. We all think, I just want the truth until we get it. And then we're like, oh, that sucks. I wish I didn't know that. Until Jack Nicholson yells at us, you can't handle the truth, though. <laughs> we, we can't, apparently. No, yeah. Right, that's when he says, this Look, is that the awful passage. truth. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you are you reading from that eighty five to or whatever that section? No, you're going back Creon there. Or? Go. Well, Creon tells him, "Stubbornness without wisdom will do you no good. You are not thinking clearly." But he's but because he's not thinking clearly, he can't even hear those words, right? Um, and then and then right at the at the well, it's not the end of that section, but at the it's the bottom of page eighty seven in our version. Oedipus says, or he Oedipus asks. Um, yeah. but this is his way of getting proof that, that Creon's in on this. He says, um, so the top of 87, he says, uh, 
How long ago did Laius disappear, get killed? How long ago? Creon, many years ago, a long time. Oedipus and this prophet, he was there then prophesying? Creon, yes, and honored as much as he is now. Oedipus, back then, did he make any mention of me? Creon, no, I don't think so. Certainly not to me. Oedipus, and you made no attempt to find the killer? Creon, we did, but we got absolutely nowhere. Oedipus, and why did this wise man say nothing then? Creon, I can't answer. I haven't the least idea. Oedipus, but it's staring you in the face. How can you miss it? Creon, what's staring in the face? What do you mean? Oedipus, there's no other reason for him to accuse me now of killing lies except that you and he are plotting together. If, it, if he knew it was me, he would have said it back then. He didn't, therefore, right? And this is the, that, that's proof somehow for, for Oedipus. And yet the, the double entendre, but not sexual, is the answer is staring you in yeah. the face. Yeah, yeah. You are the answer, Oedipus. You are staring me in the face, and you're the answer to this whole problem. It's so good. It's so dude. Sophocles. That's how he yeah. How he says it. And if you just keep going, Creon says um, he couldn't have said that. I've answered your questions and claimed the right to ask my own. Oedipus, whatever questions you like, I'm not the killer. Creon, you are married to my sister, are you not? Like so, he just. I like the way he phrases it. Sophocles phrases things. Um, Yeah. You know, just that right there. I claim the right to ask my own. And then he goes. And he sets him up. Yeah. Yeah, and then his big speech right after that is so good. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, proving that he's not. Proving from common sense, you know it's not me. Right. Yeah. But yeah, Crayon is the, I mean, clearly by the end you start to see it. I mean, you see it more clearly, but all the way through, he's the he's the he almost stands as the the counterpoint to to Oedipus and and Jocasta, and you know to some extent uh, um, the previous king. Uh, Le- how do you say his name? Laius. Um, in that he, he almost always answers, "Well, I'm going to do what the gods want me to do." Like even when when Oedipus is being asked to be thrown out of the city, he's like, "I'll do what the gods say is right." And so, yeah, but. Oedipus immediately goes to, I'll find who this killer is. I'll do this, 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 and this to him. Like he makes all these decisions about what should happen to this person um, without knowing who he is, the circumstances of the death, no, no, you know, nothing, right? It's just, this will be the punishment period. So then he has, then he has to impose it on himself ultimately. But King David did the same thing with Nathan. Right. Oh yeah. That was like a note I put in mind right away. As soon as the seer shows up, I was like, (laughs) yeah. Behold yeah. the man. And so you told us to pay attention to the chorus, right? So after that long um, proof by Creon that I'm not the one, Creon ends with only time will show you who is the loyal kinsman, but the traitor is likely to be revealed in a single day. So it takes time to know loyalty, but traitors can be identified quickly, right? And then we have a, a chorister. Um, he has spoken well to a careful man like me, it's right to be thorough and safer to take one's time. Right. And, and Oedipus mm. responds, if the conspiracy moves quickly, it makes no sense for me to drag my feet. That way I'd lose. Right. So he's going full speed ahead. He is right. not listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Oedipus says that line, right? If you keep going, he says, I am faithful to myself. Not the city. Not the people, right? Not, yeah. And Creon says, but not to me. 
Oedipus says, but still, I have to rule. And Crean says, but you're doing it badly. Right? He's he's calling him out. Yeah. Um, and it says, oh, but think of the city. The city! And Crean says, so do I. For I have a share in the city as well as you. And then the chorister comes again. My lords, get hold of yourselves. Jocasta is coming. Perhaps with her help, you can settle this dreadful quarrel. So, yeah. That's yeah a, and Jocasta does is just as bad. She holds she on comes to her. In and she's like, well, then pay it no mind. Who believes in prophets? Like, we're just going to dismiss our, the entire religious, religious sphere here? Well, okay, so I got a hint, and I tried to go back and find it, and I couldn't find it. I, I wondered if she figured out, or when did she figure I feel like she figured yeah. out that before was one of my he questions. did that it was him. And she didn't want it revealed, right, because it would destroy everything. And if she could just keep that secret hidden, they can live out their days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, like, because because mm-hmm. her, her shame's as bad as his, right? I mean, like her, her defilement is as bad as his to have children with her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the, so I don't know when she figures it out, but but when I got to the point where I asked the question was, he, she, Oedipus asked her, the man he speaks of saying the, the, the farmer, do you think Jocasta, he is the one I've already summoned, like the one I already sent that saw the murder right. happen? And she says, what matter? What matters who he is? Pay no regard. The tale is idle. It is best forgotten. And right there, I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Does she already know? And because it, after that point, she definitely does. Like, it's just, yeah. she, she says, uh, in God's name, stop. If you have any thought for your own life, my, my ruin is enough. And it's just stop stop and then then she leaves like in a few lines later she just runs out with the the it says with a girl i guess slave girl maybe or something um and so but i but i that's when i asked the question on the margin how how soon did she know like how far back i have to go back and like think okay Mm -hmm. is there is there an earlier indicator that she already realizes what's happened because the matter you're talking about after the messenger right yeah yeah, after the messenger should there wait? That's where I've got it. The Corinthian yeah. is here, but they're still waiting for the they had and they had sent for the local farmer who saw the murder take place, the one survivor. And he's she's ask he's at Oedipus is asking, do you think the one we've already sent for is the same guy who gave this Corinthian the kid twenty years ago or whatever? He's wondering if it's the same person. And she says, "What does it matter?" And then like her next line is, "In God's name, stop! If you have any thought for your own life." Right. Because I think she figured yeah. it out. She knows. But in my head, I wasn't and that's thinking a- as much as you said earlier, Matt, like he's obviously married a woman 20 years older than him, which means she's obviously married a guy 20 years younger than her. Like how early when this came up that she goes, oh, crap. Like, you know, like in her own head, right. how early in the play is she is she realizing it? Yeah, when the messenger first arrives, she hears his message as hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, go tell, go get Oedipus and tell him. Oh, that's a good point. But then... But then when the when the shepherd gets called, it's there where she's like, uh, just drop it. And then and then even there, right? It, this is again just how blind Oedipus is that he's it's like he's convinced himself that he's always right and that the thing that makes him always right is that he's this pursuer of truth. But he just but instead he's like not actually seeing anything. I mean, Teresia says you're the blind one. Um, and then he says at the end, right, I'm, I was the blind one. But even then, when when 
like even here's another example of that, right? When Jacasa says drop it, his first thought is not that she's figured something out, but oh, she's afraid that I don't come from a noble lineage. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Where's that? Right, right. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's gonna be ashamed of my birth. I you know care. how women are. I don't care. Them how women, poor my they don't are. want us common men. <laughs> Do you think so? Come there's on, this, Oedipus. They don't. They don't. The play doesn't tell us what it what it is, but it's it's expected that you know this references to the Sphinx because uh, like they were under the other some other curse before he shows up. Yeah. Um, and if I'm if I'm remembering right, he solves the riddle that the Sphinx right. They, there was some riddle that they they couldn't yeah. solve, and that was what was cursing them. That's how he won Jocasta. Right. Well, and that's how yeah he won over the entire, and that's why the chorus, who they over they seem to be from Thebes. Um, lament like he he's been their savior he expects him they, they're hoping he'll continue to be their savior right so is it because he's like he was wise once before like he figured out the riddle that he just trusts that or he just he just thinks he's smarter than he is because he you know got the sphinx's riddle figured out he just always thinks he knows the right answer um, like how did he get there before that so that's what i really i don't understand so if what was his training to believe, right, that when he hears his prophecy, I can take care of it. So what, he doesn't seek the counsel of anybody else. He doesn't include his parents. He doesn't include a good friend. He doesn't speak to anybody else about this. He's all by himself. He is completely isolated mm-hmm. and he can take care of it. I think that right there is foolishness. Hmm. And the, the you're talking about the first, the first prophecy, when he first finds out the first when prophecy? When he finds out. And he when goes he, to the, and he goes mm-hmm. to Delphi to find out what. Yeah, yeah, because that's interesting, town. right? When he goes to Delphi, he he goes to Delphi to find out are these my real parents? Mm-hmm. And instead, he finds out you're going to kill your real parent, your father, and you're going to marry your mother. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, but at that point, he stops wondering about whether the ones in Corinth are the real ones. Assumes yeah. they are. Assumes they are, and then leaves supposedly, and then leaves, and then just go kills the, the next man he sees or the next man that he encounters. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was really clear. But that- because because he got that that riddle right, that's where he has this like. I mean, Confidence. there's a there's a I think your, your point right. There's a a youthful a youthful uh, yeah confidence or whatever at the beginning, but then mm-hmm. it gets exacerbated made it exacerbated perhaps by the fact that he solves this riddle that has you know has been plaguing the city by being the savior right. To, he and becomes the, the king as a result of it, right? Right, like the Thebans, yeah. the Thebans, the Thebans, Thebans, put him on, put him on this huge pedestal, right? Like, oh, thank, thank goodness you came along. Our entire city was in under curse. What does that do for a young man with what sounds like little training in how to rule? Right, and I love that and we just this read a beautiful it. older woman. This we don't know that she's beautiful. To marry you and make her the king. But how do we know she's beautiful? The king married her. The, the original king would have married an ugly lady. If she was the one that the, the throne was coming through, if that's the way you get to the throne, sure. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there are not beautiful Greeks, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I just think it's funny that the, the adjective beautiful had to get tossed in there. She's not just a woman. No, no, no. She's a beautiful one. No, well, why wouldn't she be? They are when they're covered I mean, I can, see, I all, can, all the, I can the hear why statues. you would say she doesn't have to be, but why wouldn't she be? Well, I mean, but she's already 40 and he's 20. 
You don't think 40 year old women can be beautiful? What, 20 year old? Yeah. Julie Roberts? <laughs> In the 90s, anyways, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So then if we're understanding Oedipus to be set up as one who doesn't seek counsel, who trusts in his own, who thinks he knows, makes decisions quickly, keeps going full speed ahead. Uh, but Jocasta is one who wants to hide. Right. Her first lines when I know she's I wrote right outside, she's hiding it. Um, never mind. Just let it go. Forget it. Her next lines. I beg you, drop it. If you care at all for me or for yourself or your life, stop this. Oedipus, what do you have to worry about? I promise, even if I turn out to have been born from third generation slaves, you will not be affected by this or damaged or demeaned. What you said, Matt, right? Trocasta, I beg you, I implore you, do not do this. She wants to keep it hidden, but she fully knows exactly what's happened now. She's got it all. It is clear. Yeah. Okay. What is that, though? She is knows that... that she's married her son. Right. And had children with him. And that her son killed her husband. And she wants to hide but everybody that. else who knew also wanted to hide it. Yeah. All right. He didn't. He like kept Tiresias like the messenger. Knew. Oh, right. yeah. Shepard knew the. Um, Did the shepherd know? Because it seemed the, like he didn't want to. He didn't understand. The Corinthian didn't know. The Corinthian didn't know. But he's he's the there's two shepherds, right? There's the Corinthian right. shepherd who got him from the. The, the servant that has survived the attack, she specifically yes. says that the servant that survived the attack, when he saw that you were becoming king, he asked to be he asked to That's be able right. to live far away from the city, That's far right. outside yeah. the city, right? So that guy knew, Tiresias knew, and then at the point she knows, like, like Ty Tiresias says, just let it go. It's yeah. better to just let this go, right? You don't want to know. Yeah. Um, so and then that's kind of her response. Like she sees. So I, I don't know what. I mean, here's the problem, right? If you is Tiresias, is he correct on that point? Because, I mean, is it better for him to not know? But then the city continues under this plague. Is there some other way around it? Or I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, like that's the part where you know some people describe these Greek tragedies as plays where there's not a way for the hero to win. Like it's not possible for the hero to win, mm -hmm. and like that's what Greek the Greek tragedy is by definition. It's a situation where the human is just kind of there is no good choice. The whims or the the capriciousness of the gods, and so I mean that might be the case here, right? Like there was no way for him to do this right. Like the the crime had, the crime against nature had been committed. And now it has to be paid for, no matter what. I, I, I might be, as we've been kind of talking about it, the complaint might be saying, yeah. well, it happened, it came true because of Oedipus's, well, and his father's arrogance. Right. Not, like, there might have been a way around it happening. But once it happened, is it at that point, is he stuck? Like, there's no way to win? So, like... Mm -hmm. Is it actually good advice for Tiresias to say let it go? Is it actually good advice for Jocasta to say let it go? Hmm. Um, or is it they just don't want I to don't deal? Know. Or they don't want to deal with the fallout, fall right? Because the two of them knew. Right. Right. Tiresias. But they could have spoken up back after the murder. 
Tiresias knew then. Well, he could have. He could have then said, "Shepherd who survived." This knew. is the guy that. Ki- yeah, yeah. The shepherd could have been like, "This is the guy that killed the king when he showed up in town," mm-hmm. but chose not to. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. seem like everybody who's saying just keep it quiet has a has a a more personal stake in not being found out. But why in the very beginning? Whereas, like the the shepherd who was there at the attack who saw him, ran away, and then when he comes in and gets chosen as king, he says, you know, let me serve out in the fields far, far away. Like, he... Well, I, could, can you make an accusation against the king and it not lead to that loss of your life? And he's okay. the one who just right. saved, I mean, just saved the city. Yeah, he just saved the city from the existing plague, and you're going to speak out against him. Yeah, that's not going to go well. And Ty- Tiresias does say as much as, as what you just suggested, Brandon. Tiresias actually says... That I think he says something like, "I'll lose my life if I tell you." Oh yeah, I'm, I'm you're done. right. I'll I'll pay for this if I yeah. tell you. Because yeah. he because he, he threatens him, "I'll kill you if you don't tell me the truth." And he's like, "I'm going to die if I do tell you the truth." Right? So, yeah, I guess either by your hand or by or by the people's for not for not having made this known before. The chorus. Yeah, he just let like, me go home again. Do as I say. It will be better that way for both of us. Yeah. The chorus, on the other hand, seems to not want to believe it or not, for it not to be true, but they don't seem so so adamant on it, not, on the truth not coming out. They just lament. They just lament that it could be true. Almost at the very center of this play, I'd have to check out how we each divide it, how each uh, translator divides it, is when the second chorister says, "Hubris will beget a tyrant as its child." Mm. It falls almost dead center. Yeah. So that seems to be talking almost more about Laos than Oedipus, right? That his hubris, that he could just defy the oracle, beget this tyrant. Mm-hmm. In this case, the tyrant that tyrant in the in the negative sense we're used to it. But okay, so let me find my note. I'm trying to see what it, I don't think it calls him tyrant there in mind. Though. I have to see what it says. So for me, I don't know which section yours might call it. Let me find what section I'm in. Uh, scene three is what mine calls it. Um, I'm at the bottom of page 111, Matt. Oh, it does say tyrant in mine there. That's the place where it does use tyrant, tyrant. for me. Okay. It's where Oedipus and the oh, messenger are going back and forth. Um. And the messenger says, well, let me explain. I brought you to him a gift, Oedipus. I wasn't his son, and even so he loved me? Why was that? Messenger, he had no children of his own. Oedipus, where did you get me? Did you find me, buy me? Messenger, I found you on the side of Mount Catharion. Oedipus, what was? What were you doing there? Messenger, grazing my flock on the lower slopes of the mountain. I was a shepherd. Oedipus, a shepherd, just out there looking for your flock? Messenger, yes, I found you there, my son, as it were. Oedipus, when you found me, was I suffering at all? Messenger, your ankles would still trouble you. Oedipus, oh, and why do you mention my injury of so long ago? Messenger, your tendons had been pierced and bound together. Oedipus, it has been a source of shame even from the cradle. So I question there, like, shame. Does shame come from one's own doing? Because this isn't his own doing. Um, Then it goes on. Oh, that's not the one. At the very end, that's what it is, at the Exodus, the second messenger now, he addresses the elders of Thebes, and he says, 
elders of Thebes, you who have places of honor, page 123, what horrors have I to tell you? What terrible actions must I report for you to hear and endure? If you have loyalty still to the house of Laos, what mourning is in store for you? The mighty Ister or Phasis could not wash this house clean. Such horrors are hidden inside, willed and unwilled. Mm-hmm. And all of the griefs there are, none is more bitter than what we contrive to bring down on ourselves. And I think I'm, I'm trying to paint. Yeah. So I wondered there, is the worst grief the one that we cause on ourselves or is it the one that we cause another? What? Um, Cause it seems to have so much. Wait, why, what's why, why do you choose that juxtaposition? Why are those your choices? Does it say that? What? No, the messenger states it as those hurt, those hurt the most that we ourselves inflict of all our sufferings. Right. And so I wonder, like, he, the, but why do you say on ourselves grief, or others? Of all the, of all the griefs there are, none is more bitter. There's not a worse grief, not a more bitter grief than what we contrive to bring down on ourselves. And it's from Plato. <laughs> I don't know which dialogue saying, is it, is it worse to, harm or to be harmed oh okay i think we're reading that differently okay help me i mean i which doesn't change your question your plato question that's worth that's worth going down but i think what he i think what the messenger is saying is that of all the griefs there are none is more bitter than the ones we do to ourselves versus the ones that other people do to us it's not the ones I do to myself versus the ones I do to you. Uh, it's the ones I do to myself versus what other people do to me. Okay. Yeah. I think Brandon's translation probably pop makes that pop a little bit more. Right. Yeah, because I read say it, Brandon? it says, um, uh, neither the Ister nor the faces flood could purify this house. Such things it hides such others. Will it soon display to all evil self sought of all our sufferings. Those hurt, the most that we ourselves inflict and so for me is like it that was talking about so much in the one thing because it's talking about the evils that leos inflicted on himself that oedipus did and now these things we're about to tell you about about um jocosa hanging herself right like like for someone to be hung is horrible but it's it's somehow a worse thing when it's self-inflicted right it's when it's when it's suicide and that's this kind of very um i mean it's all all their sufferings are incarnate but it, it kind of incarnates very viscerally is distinctly what they've all been doing to themselves this whole time Thank like jacos has been making her own pain oedipus has been making his own pain laos has been making his own pain and this this scene that we're about to explain to you where she's hung herself after ripping her at her hair and throwing herself onto her bed and all these things is the most kind of physical incarnation of that, that they've done to themselves. Yeah. Thank you. This translation is interesting because it doesn't have footnotes or even numbered notes. It has just asterisks. And then in the back, you can like see an asterisk, all the asterisks for that page. Mm-hmm. And like, which has been good because I was trying to avoid reading too many of somebody else's notes as I'm reading. Mm. But because yours has hubris and tyrant, um, pride, yours said, mine says pride makes the tyrant, but yours, I like yours said hubris begets, I think, or something like that. A yes. tyrant. Yeah. 
And so that one is one of the foot and I like, I just flipped to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is why it's one that's people stop and ponder on. It says, this is one of the most hotly disputed textual points in Greek tragedy. Hmm. Some editors believe that the sentence should read a tyrant produces pride. Pride here translate hubris. So it's in both of ours, it's pride or hubris creates a tyrant, but some believe it should be read a tyrant produces pride. Hmm. So that ambiguity to me is really, really interesting at that point in right there in the center of the center of the play. We should ask Monique. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's weird because the Greek would probably be very clear which one was the nominative and which one was the accusative. Yeah. So that's kind of. So that's why I don't know why there would be debate for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's different textual variants. Oh, that's true. Hmm. the the passage The passage that you're we were talking about the um, the worst grief yeah. from the second messenger is interesting because it's the second messenger's preface to his message, right? About that Jocasta mm-hmm. has just mm-hmm. killed herself. But if we apply the line, he's obviously re- making the statement with reference to the news he's about to say, right? But if if that line has a double meaning and is also pointing back to everything that's just happened, right? Then, then whereas moderns kind of read back into Sophocles and think that Sophocles is just presenting us this kind of fatalistic, deterministic world where Oedipus just can't win no matter what because everything's contrived against him, prophetically speaking. Mm-hmm. That's not that doesn't seem to be how Sophocles is actually presenting it, right? We read it that way backwards, but Sophocles seems to be presenting it as he did have choices and he didn't and he didn't do those. And if the messenger's statement refers backwards to Oedipus, that seems to be the case here too, right? That that the griefs that Oedipus is enduring are griefs that he brought down on himself. Mm-hmm. Will yeah. and unwilled. There's both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but think, but it's, it seems to be calling us to think back to all the things he didn't do that he should have done or did do that he should not have done. Like to your point, Matt, he goes to yeah, the Oracle. the only one I was. Well, since he sorry, goes no, to go the ahead. Oracle to ask, are these my actual parents? Mm-hmm. And he gets a different answer that says, you're going to kill your father and marry your mother. And instead of falling up with the, like like these two that I just asked you about, like those two <laughs> people, like clarifying for sure, like you didn't answer my question. He needs to the writing. He doesn't even do that, right? He doesn't even get clarity for his question. Or like we said earlier, ask how do I avoid this horrible? Is there a way for me to avoid this horrible fate? Right? Like, but there isn't because you're going to be arrogant and not ask me the next question and think you know everything. Yeah. Uh, the thing that the thing that. That gets me because Andrew, you made a comment earlier that he doesn't like kind of listing his his faults, I guess, or his his crimes, his sins. That he doesn't pursue counsel, mm-hmm. um, but he does, just not as well as he could have, right? Like when he just finds like out that, like he goes to Delphi and asks. Mm-hmm. And, to, and then that's where he learns the prophecy. But then he doesn't get he doesn't get wisdom about he doesn't get counsel about the prophecy. Right. So there's you know he gets wisdom he gets counsel, but not the follow up counsel that he should have gotten. Um, although I don't know how Delphi worked. Maybe you could only ask you were only allowed to ask one question. Right. Um, and then the 
And then when when the when the the plague happens, he sends yeah, that's true. You know, he sends somebody to Delphi back back to Delphi to find out what's causing the plague. So there, and then he and then he agrees or he sends for Ty- Tiresias, um, or he agrees to to interview Tiresias, whichever. Uh, so there is there is some like I he, here's the thing. I, is, is Oedipus the bad guy? Like, he's foolish. He makes mistakes. Bad things happen because of him. Um, but then he's a pursuer of truth in his way. <laughs> his, you know, human way. Like, he's, he fails as a human, right? Um, and, and then he, 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 he agrees to execute justice perhaps too quickly the way he's going to bring about justice is a little bit too quick but then when it happens to him he demands that it be fulfilled right you have to exile me because that was the deal the person either dies or gets exiled so you have to exile me um you know to creon right he tells creon you have to exile me so he's he keeps his word yeah. I, I think it's weird that he's like, there's something, there's, he's a good king in some way, but he's a, but he's a, he's a, uh, uh, he has faults for sure. A lot of them. Like, I don't, I don't buy the picture that he's, um, if I have to take a side on this, I don't buy the picture that he's, he's just being tossed around by the whims of capricious gods. Just, just suffering through a fatalistic, deterministic life, um, and then making the best of it. I don't see that. Like I see him as fault for his sins. You know, he's guilty, but but he's good. He seems like a good king in spite of that. Okay, so after it all comes out that he's the one, right? And Oedipus says, oh, oh, now it comes clear, oh, light. I look on you for the last time, cursed in my birth and life, cursed in my marriage, and cursed in my killing. Right after that, we get the first chorister who says, alas, the generations of men in their effort honor, achieve their pride, and in the end it comes to nothing. What man, after chasing all his life for the shadow of happiness, can claim more than a moment's de- a moment's illusion? Oedipus, your fate is a chilling example. You had everything that makes for happiness, and in a moment, it's gone. Second chorister, your arrows always flew to the target, accurate and amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, the arrow flying straight is a an arrow flying off target is a is a synonym for sin. Mm-hmm. So he's, his arrows fly straight to the target, accurate and amazing. Whatever you wanted, there it was in an instant, almost without effort, more than the gods ever intended for mere mortals. Even Zeus was startled to see you destroy the Sphinx. That cruel maiden with terrible talents protecting us all from death. And the whole chorus says, because of what you did, we called you our king, giving you all honor, and you ruled mighty Thebes. The first courser comes back. And now, whose story is more heartbreaking? Who has greater torments or more remorse? Who has ever fallen farther or faster? 
great Oedipus. You emerge from birth's tight harbor. We're back to a sailing metaphor. The very beginning opens, and I, I tracked the whole thing in orange, mm-hmm. all the sailing metaphors, right? You emerge from birth's tight harbor and then returned there in your bridal bed to make fast where your father had been before you. And can I finish this? This oh, like, yeah. Second courser, how could you plow that same furrow your father sowed? How could it not cry out? Time that sees all has found you at last and condemns your monstrous marriage that was no marriage and produced your offspring that were not offspring. Son of Laus, I wish I had never beheld you. Then the whole chorus comes back together. You restored us to life. We're only a dream of life. We now lament sorely. From our lips come only dirges. From you we drew our breath. And now our eyes close as in sleep or death. You are dead to us is how they've just ended it. Right. So they, I mean, they, uh, they carry him all the way down. Yeah. I, when I, I read this, I read this last night and it, it was sad to mm-hmm. me. It was mm-hmm. the saddest experience I've ever had with it in from compared to previous readings. But this, the, how sad it was stood out to me far more in this reading than previous readings. Um, mm. He just, he just, it's just like, it's a fall, right? It, it's mm. a fall. I mean, in his, his, I'm going to find out the truth at any cost. And this is what's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen. And you're guilty and you're guilty and you're just being stupid and you're just being stupid. And you just yeah. are afraid that I wasn't, you know, pure born and whatever, all of these things that he says and it's just every time it's like oh oh god stop just listen to your friends just listen to your wife (laughs) just or whatever you know i think i think these instances of the use of hubris or pride in there the word um undercut that argument that it's the uh that there's it's just capricious gods and you're stuck with fate and that that reading you were talking about earlier matt um Mm. and i'm i don't actually know this maybe one of you do like where in the in the history of you know reading and evaluating and discussing these plays does that become kind of the if not the dominant one of the one of the ways that's often how a lot of the greek tragedies are read uh, or greek stories and myths that that they're just the subject of fate with nothing no no way to deal with it um I have no idea. There's got to be some like freshman English or freshman ancient literature course or ancient history course or something that every single human being goes through. And every and then during that course, they tell you that the Greeks and the Romans believed in a fate that was um, that was that could not be changed. Right. And because every time you ever I've almost every conversation I've ever had with somebody about Homer or Virgil or these plays, everybody thinks that fate is this, um, Unchangeable. this deterministic force that nobody can change, not even Zeus. And yet all throughout the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, and here, th- there seems to be um, indications that, that, that fate is not that powerful. But everybody thinks it is. So whatever whatever course it is that's teaching people that, like I've had people tell me this, mm-hmm. explain this to how this fate thing works. I mean, very very authoritatively, like mm. like they wrote their dissertation on it or something, you know, <laughs> and um, and they explain it like it's the it's the most clear and obvious thing in the world, and and that is just not. That's what the impression I got just coming through school, like regular, 
you know, yeah. public school education, the little bit of, I got of Greek myths and, you know, Greek tragedies or whatever was, that was, that was the, that's how this is understood. Right. And so I, I'm curious and maybe we don't know the answer because it, when we discuss it just now, it feels like that seems to me like a really nihilistic view to take of it that like, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be more modern, which would be like a much more modern take. Right. Um, or is it, is it somewhere along the way Christian scholars were trying to draw this distinction between like the gods of the Greeks and Romans and, and, you know, the Judeo Christian God not being that kind of mm-hmm. capricious being. Um, so that's a, anyway, something, yeah. something to, uh, something to maybe think about as we continue on where we've been going for a while now, but think about as we go through the rest of these plays, but yeah, well, that makes me, which is a little, this, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek because it's a terrible cart, like, cartoon version but that that hercules that came out like in the uh, late 90s disney or whoever yeah that may be one of the things they got right because yeah. they cut this they cut str- fate string or whatever when they're like wait a minute i'm not destined to do this and that they hmm. maybe the modern version, oh, yeah. the postmodern yeah. view of it you can't tell me what to do but right. uh maybe that's one thing they got right in that horrible horrible adaptation of hercules <laughs> And they they probably thought that they were challenging the uh, right. the ancient the view and they were actually quote. <laughs> All yeah. right, I, I'll close. Can I just add this? Like, sorry, I wrote this part because it, this was the sad part for me too, Matt. And I wrote out to the side here: How did he do so well on this path to hell? Huh. Mm. Right, because Zeus oh. was even startled at how well he was doing that he could yeah. defeat the Sphinx. Right, so when you surprise the gods. The God of the gods, right? He's doing that well. And so I just, I wonder at some level, is this then a a warning to to young men in particular Mm -hmm. um, that the path is not? Things can can look like they're going pretty well and then Mm -hmm. go very, very bad, very, very fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that very closing line just kind of sums up because that's possible. It just sums it up so well. Call none Mm -hmm. among mortals fortunate. Until he has passed on without grief from this dangerous world, which Aristotle says about the happy man, that right. to, to call no man happy until he's ended his life, because you have no idea what's going to happen. That's where his famous line, the one swallow does not a summer make, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one act of virtue does not make a person a virtuous man. Mm. Yep. One happy moment doesn't make a life a happy life. And so, Brandon, I just have to say it again. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be reading this. Thank you. Well, I think if I remember correctly, uh, Josh Gibbs, one of his proverbial episodes, he did the whole episode on that line. One swallow does not a does not a uh, summer make. So that's might be what I have to try and track that one down if, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Does y'all's edition have um, like uh, stage directions at all? Like this is pretty thin compared to like Shakespeare. A little bit. Yeah. Just walks off, walks left. Yeah. That's one of the things I usually mark with green when I do plays. But the one that caught me on here was that I want to think about more and, and look for in the next two plays is um, the chorus went from singing to toward the end. They start speaking and Oedipus starts singing, which was a, a really interesting shift for me. And I, I wasn't I didn't I couldn't quite figure out exactly what what's going on there. So I was going to look and see if it happens anywhere else. So, All right. Okay. Well, next week, we'll pick up with uh, Oedipus at Colonus. Um and then we'll have a little break and then we'll do Antigone after Christmas. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you listeners for joining us. Uh, Enjoy your week and enjoy the next play. See y'all next week.